T to classify yes, as three letters. Cause our history guys, we got Eric, Ellie, who else? We got Brian, listen every time, you know it's gonna be some drive. Everybody certified, it's pocket rock, ain't tell no lies. You really my lose your mind, can only put this in your time. Welcome back to the Commander's Declassified Podcast. You may also know us as the WFT Declassified Boys. We are here. Shout out to everybody that's listening. Make sure you're subscribed. Stay locked in. As we like to say, tell a friend to tell a friend. Keep the podcast growing. You guys are doing a tremendous job of that. Make sure you leave a review. Like, comment, subscribe. Set the notification bell. Ding, ding. Make sure you are always plugged into what we have dropping for you and guess what we are back at full strength tonight we have eric back in the building eric what's going on well i wouldn't say full strength just yet <laughs> you get 78 percent of eric tonight which is good good as 100 percent of most fools though we'll take it glad and to have you back yeah. and we got uh we got brian in the building too as usual bringing it strong brian what's going on same old stuff, fellas. How are you, Eric? Glad to have you back, man. Glad to be back. All right. Listen. And, of course, we've we, got we, Ellie every week. holding yes, it down. Yes, as usual. we got to make sure we introduce I am him. always here. He never gets introduced. <laughs> I will not be here next week, though. <laughs> every, every single week we, that goes by, we get a little bit closer to football action. Um, but we, tonight we're going to go over some things. We're going to focus primarily on Carson Wentz. He's still the topic de jour. Uh, you know, just he's a quarterback in this town. And now that uh, that Terry's under wraps, you know, the focus is back on him to put things together. But before we do, I got the top five stories about the commanders this week from all your favorite local beat reporters. Number one, Brian, this is for you. Big deal or not a big deal. Dan Snyder has provided some dates that he would be available to the House Oversight Committee. He might testify. Big deal or not a big deal? Not a big deal because, you know, if there's something he doesn't want to answer or he doesn't want to, you know, uh, or his lawyer doesn't want him to answer, he'll plead the fifth. Um, there isn't anything that he's going to do that will uh, incriminate himself or, uh, expose new information that may incriminate himself or cause himself to be ousted as the owner of the football team. So not a big deal. Uh, and I imagine, too, that uh, while he is giving these things out, these dates, it, there'll probably be some uh, technical issue come the day of, and uh, he may not be able to uh, to log on and testify either. So uh, I'm very skeptical that the you know that uh, he would actually do it, even though he's offering dates. I think it's more for show. Um, so not a big deal for me. Yeah, he's going to be up there like Dave Chappelle. I played yeah. the fifth. <laughs> yes, yes. He's be on the full side. <laughs> FIF. Yeah. Uh, Eric, this <laughs> one's for you, man. Rivera says that the McLaurin deal is just the start of the organization retaining their own guys. Are you buying into that? Do you like it? Yeah, I'm buying into it. We'll see who they retain before I tell you whether or not I like it. Um, I think, yeah, I think you got, you got guys like Cam Curl, Cole Holcomb, probably Deron Payne's in the mix there. So uh, those guys need to get locked up. Um, so, yeah, more, you know, I, Terry was the first domino. He was, uh, you know, the most important. I don't think anybody denies that. But now that he's locked up and they've got cap space to play with uh, now, 
yeah, get those other guys signed. I'm all in. You know it's going to be cool. Oh, and Troy Apke. You got to re-up Apke. 100% special teams ace. Lifetime contract. Um, all right, Brian. I want to know how excited you are about this. Terry McLaurin is leaving Ashburn and he's going to work out with Wentz in the offense. I think they're out on the West Coast. Uh, how excited are you to hear that? I am super excited to hear that. Uh, we haven't seen Terry out on the field in, what, a couple of months, one or two months, however long it's been, and we need him. Terry is our best wide receiver. We do have an upgrade at the quarterback position with Wentz, and we need these guys to gel. We need them to mesh. We need them to get the chemistry together because this offense has been so sluggish the last several years, um, especially starting the season out. Uh, we, we need to – start the season fast on offense. We need to be able to put drives together, score points. So he needs to get out there uh, with him, throw, uh, develop some uh, chemistry with him, with uh, Jahan, the other receivers, all, all, all of it. So very excited that uh, that's happening and uh, looking forward to seeing what they do in training camp. Yeah, super excited to hear that, see them throw together. We'll probably get a little clips on Instagram or Twitter. Something will leak out showing those guys working out together. And, you know, we'll get our hype all going and everything like that. So super excited about that. Eric, story number four. And I think you'll appreciate this one. But I want, I want to know how you feel about it. Joe Jacoby has been named a finalist to the 2023 Hall of Famer, or excuse me, Hall of Fame seniors and coach contributor category. How excited are you that Joe gets another shot at the Hall? Yeah, I knew it was coming. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. There's a ton of guys in front of him, unfortunately, waiting for that, uh, you know, senior committee. They only nominate like one or two guys a year uh, as finalists. So um, good for him. I'm glad his name is still up there, but it's it's going to be a while. There's a lot of guys waiting to get in on that senior vote, and he's way back in the line right now, unfortunately. But, yeah, good for him. Should have got he in without it. being a senior, but, you know, Agreed. it is what it is. Agree. Agreed. Uh, and if you played for another team, uh, or maybe if our team had kept the positive history going throughout the decades after he was done playing, I think he probably would have been in. But unfortunately, the state of your franchise does factor into the legacy of your franchise, which impacts players' ability um, to get into the hall. And of course, he didn't really do TV a whole heck of a lot, at least not on a national scale. And so therefore, that also didn't give him the uh, platform and visibility. Yeah, somebody like needs some of the to show players. the Hall of Fame committee of those uh, theater vision commercials from back in the day you get right in <laughs> you all remember that i don't know if you guys remember those or not but yeah those those are classics um yeah i think you're right that you know the, the the fact that he played for this team um russ grimm got in who's they kind of made him the you know exam the, the representative for all of the hogs which i don't think is right and i think you know i honestly think like yeah, jacoby should have gone in over tony baselli you know baselli had a really good career but really short um, Jacoby was good for, you know, a decade. He was on the all decade team of the eighties. He made all pro bunch of pro bowls. Um, but you know, the committee saw it differently. Uh, I disagree. I'm not on the committee. So I guess that's, that's that. <laughs> it's going to have to be, but yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Uh, story number five and our final story, uh, RFK was burning this week, like literally on fire, Brian, I know some of us still had some dreams about RFK one day. That's gone. Well, okay, let's be real. Um, should they just go ahead and bulldoze RFK at this point, Brian? Yeah, I mean, if they're going to leave it derelict and just 
you know, a big giant, you know, hazard, you know, in the middle of the city, not being taken care of, not being utilized, then yeah, bulldoze it, you know, make some, you know, affordable public housing with it, do something with it. If they're not going to use it for a stadium or if they're just not going to use it at all, do something. But uh, yeah, very sad to see uh, how dilapidated it looked. The field looked uh, just miserable Um, and, you know, just, a random fire just sparking up out of uh, out of the stadium there like uh, it, it, it shouldn't be that um, that area can be, you know, repurposed for so many different things that uh, could be helpful to the city and to the area. Uh, so um, they need to get it together there in the district, uh, um, you know, with the mayor and the city council and figure out something to do with it, uh, because leaving it derelict and leaving it to uh, to literally burn in the middle of the city isn't uh, the answer. So they, they've got to figure something out there because that, uh, that was just awful to kind of see that happening. Yeah, that's it's really unfortunate. That stadium means so much to so many people, and to just see it just turn into what it is is like the worst possible outcome. You know, I think there would have been a little bit more mystique to it. They just took it down once they decided the team wasn't going to play there anymore. You know, after what the the Nationals and DC United used it, and now our lasting image of that is just dilapidated, ruined, you know, stadium that everybody you know thinks so highly of. So. That is unfortunate, but yeah, we got to move on. We have to move on. Um, all right. Carson Wentz, I think by now, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, we've covered Carson pretty thoroughly uh, throughout. I think for the most part, we're really excited about what he can do in this offense and what he can bring, especially now with Terry in the fold. Um, so what we did was we went out and we get, we aggregated a lot of the different stories and themes that were out there about Carson Wentz so that we could talk about them tonight um, in depth, right? Uh, so the first one I have here, and I want both of you guys to comment on this, but I'll start with you, Eric. Uh, Sam Fortier, uh, he's a local reporter, or at least he reports on local things. Um, you know, he said one of the things that caused some tension in Indianapolis is because Carson Wentz is the type of quarterback that really likes to do things his way and his way only. Um, is that problematic, Eric, or do you think that's something that this team is built to uh, work around and, and help him be successful even with that? Um, to be continued, it's prob- I think it's problematic. I mean, if you've got a quarterback who's not receptive to doing things differently when what he's doing isn't working, um, you kind of heard this the last year in Philly, especially when he was kind of uh, – struggling a lot and not really willing to change his approach or what he was doing or take advice from the coaches. And uh, I guess apparently that continued into, into uh, his relationships in Indianapolis. So we'll see, um, you know, is Scott Turner the type of coach that can, uh, you know, massage that personality and either work around his inability to uh, get through to Wentz or to actually get through to Wentz. We'll just have to wait and see, but yeah, that is a potential huge problem um, because it's followed him thus far throughout his career. What I so what I will say about this is, if there's any coaching staff that's going to allow him to do it exactly as he wants it to do, it would be this coaching staff. At least judging by resume, right? Scott Turner doesn't have a lot of success on his resume, so I can see him saying, "Okay, Carson, how do you want this to work? How do you want this to roll? Um, let's make it happen your way." So, so potentially, because of the inexperience of Scott Turner and the lack of success at the quarterback position we've had thus far. Carson Wentz might get more or as much rope as he's gotten anywhere in his career. So maybe they'll, they'll be willing to work around that. Brian, what do you think? Um, 
Yeah, I think there's two things. I think, uh, you know, first, uh, you know, kind of to um, to your point of, uh, you know, Carson not wanting to uh, to kind of change some of the things that he was doing or kind of being a little stubborn uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, how he uh, was operating, um, you know, uh, these various offenses from Philly to um, Indianapolis. You know, a lot of times, and I'm sure you guys see it, it doesn't even have to be football, right? When somebody experiences success, quickly, right? They haven't put in the 5, 10, 15 years of work uh, and struggle to obtain something great. Carson Wentz, you know, pretty quickly right out of the gate, uh, had a lot of success in that 2017 season. And guys think, hey, I physically did it. And they keep trying to recreate it, right? They keep trying to do it all themselves and be that hero, right? We saw with RG3, amazing rookie year. He kept trying uh, to recreate that and not realizing, okay, hey, it, it worked once, but unfortunately I've got to do different things moving forward. And I think Carson Wentz, you know, uh, you know, it'll be big for him to realize, is he at that point, did he hit rock bottom enough to say, okay, I, I was great in 2017, but it's going to take more than that. It's going to take me being different and me understanding I've got to do other things uh, to be successful moving forward. I can't keep trying to recreate 2017. And I think that got him into trouble um, in those places and kind of, uh, you know, got him uh, a little sideways with some of his teammates. Because I don't think Carson Wentz is, a, you know, a, a, just an evil person, right? I don't think he's just trying to be a jerk to his teammates or trying not to listen to uh, his coaches or anything like that. But when somebody has that success so quickly, it's really hard for them to give up the idea that I can't reach that, uh, that, pl- uh, that height ever again, or I've got to do something different to reach uh, – um, those heights, uh, because I, I, I did it one way, um, you know, to start out. So I think, uh, I think if he can understand, Hey, I've got to do something different to, uh, if I want to have some, you know, more success or long-term success or greater success, I think he'll be fine. I don't think it was ever a, uh, you know, thing for him where he was just, uh, you know, trying to be a, a jerk to everybody. So hopefully he's there and hopefully this coaching staff, I think, um, you know, Rivera is a good communicator. He's very patient with these guys. We saw him be patient with Landon Collins and some of these other players uh, for way longer than I think any fan would ever want to be patient with uh, with kind of their struggles. So um, I think this is the right group in terms of coaches and players to help Carson kind of take that next step. Sorry if that was too much. No, I like it. You know, um, the, with athletes, there there tends to not be a uh, a rock bottom or, you know what I mean? Players that have had success so much throughout their life don't tend to be the, the most self-reflecting individuals in the world. You know what I'm saying? Enough oh, yeah. to say, hey, uh, I better get it together here. Like, especially not people at the level – um, you know, of success that Carson Wentz had. It's funny though, and, and I, for, for the record, I don't know that he needs to be. I just think he needs to understand that. Look, um, you know, I don't want to move my family around every year. I want to continue with this football thing. So at least I'm going to give a little bit. Um, it's not one of those scenarios where he has to completely change himself and do this soul searching and figure out how he's going to feed his family. He's not there. He's been paid pretty well. So the chances of him going into that type of place intrinsically are not going to happen. It's just not. Um, he believes in success. And to be a quarterback in the NFL, you kind of have to. But it's just about how much compromise are you willing to give to make your relationship successful. Um, and to your point, you know, if anybody's going to do it, Ron Rivera is that type of coach. Um, you mentioned RG3. It's funny because one of the quotes I remember most about RG3 is rookie year was like, they were like three practices in and he's like, 
uh, or maybe it was after the first preseason game. I can't remember what it was, but he was made a comment about how much easier practices were than the games, and uh, you know how much like how much harder college was than the NFL. It was something like that. I just thought to myself, "Oh man, you're gonna learn the hard way." But uh, you know, anyway. So a lot of times when you have beat reporters or former players um, that review the team. It's not always the smoothest thing in the world. If you remember, Chris Cooley did his film breakdowns. That kind of rubbed a lot of people in the locker room the wrong way. So Logan Paulson has kind of become that guy now for Washington who does the film reviews, the breakdowns, and things like that. And um, I bring up the Cooley situation. I bring up this because he made some comments about Carson Wentz on Ben Standing's podcast, The Standing Room Only, a few weeks ago. And I want to talk to them about you guys. And then I have something that came from Terry McLaurin that might counter what he said. I just kind of want to get your feel on how those things might contradict. But um, one of the comments that Logan Paulson made on Ben Stanley's podcast was that the pressure in mini camp seemed to unsettle Carson Wentz a little bit. Uh, and he eventually started to react to pressure that wasn't there, which caused some errant throws. Um, Eric, starting with you, is that alarming or is that just natural process of learning what's going on within the offense? And, and how concerned do you get about that? I mean, it's what we've seen from Carson Wentz in the past, especially the last couple of years that he's played. He's definitely got a lot more skittish in the pocket. So it is a little disconcerting to see that when you're talking about people in shorts and in shells, you know, they're not even, you're not hitting, there's no contact, not that there would be in practice anyway. But, you know, you see that now. And, um, you know, you hear about that now. It's just something to, to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. A lot of the other beat reporters that, you know, commented on that didn't seem to think it was that big of a deal but uh it remains to be seen because it is it is kind of par for the course from what we've seen from Wentz this past few years of outings yeah brian you agree yeah i think it uh it, it's 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 something to note certainly but I, I i wouldn't get too uh worried about it now we are so early in this process if this is um you know the end of training camp, uh, preseason game, something like that, then then maybe we can probably start to uh, to get some, you know, more worry about it. But he is learning a new offense. He is learning new teammates, um, timing and rhythm. And there's also a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure on him as well, too, right? It's his third team. So I can see him, you know, wanting to impress, wanting to uh, to, to kind of show everybody, hey, I can still do this. So maybe there was a, a little bit of jitters uh, when he got some pressure. Uh, that kind of thing. So uh, I'm not that uh, worried about it right now. Um, if we get uh, deep into training camp and it's been a continuous thing or it's persisting or it's getting worse, then, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we probably need to sound the alarm then. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree, Brian. I'm not really concerned about it at this point because, um, you know, when we were at OTAs, they were working on plays that kind of were long developing plays. Um, and, and perhaps that, there was some of that. He didn't have Terry in there. We don't know what uh, checks he had in the game or what he could and couldn't do or if they were specifically working on something that required him to hold on to the ball or whatever. And, and of course, it could have been because the offensive line can't be as aggressive as they normally would. The pass rush was just getting there throughout practice. And then he started getting, you know, moving up the pocket because he wants to keep himself healthy. I don't know. But I do know that Logan played football. I know that he 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 knows what he's talking about, um, but I'm just not overly concerned about it coming from minicamp. If we start to see that early on in the season, then I'm a, we will revisit this topic and I'm going to have some problems. But right now, I think I'm okay. Now, 
Uh, on the flip side of that, Terry McLaurin himself came out and said Carson Wentz doesn't get enough credit for his toughness in the pocket. Now, Terry wasn't around, so I don't know if he's just talking about from film or what have you, but if it comes from Terry, is that as good as gold at this point? Eric? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that kind of alludes to the point Brian made a little earlier about him, the way he kind of plays hero ball uh, a little bit, where he just holds on to it until the last possible second. And so, and he'll end up taking some sacks or some unnecessary hits. But, I mean, your, your guys that you play with, you know, if you're giving them every opportunity to succeed, then they're not going to say a bad thing about you. So, um, no, I like that uh, Terry has that attitude about him. And I actually like that about Wentz, that he really tries to make something of the play. Um, as much as he can. So yeah, it's, you know, it could, it's probably going to lead to some, some issues later in the season. He is going to take more hits than he probably should. He may take a couple extra sacks, but I'm okay with it. If the players are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, if, uh, if Terry's uh, good with that, then uh, I, I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, we, we've talked about Carson a lot. There are, you know, good things and bad things, uh, you know, with his game. And and one of those is, uh, you know, hey, he is going to try to uh, make a play and he'll come up with a great, you know, 65-yard uh, touchdown pass because he held the ball and found Terry deep. And then he'll hold the ball and, you know, get sacked for, you know, maybe a 10-yard loss. You know, we'll have to uh, take the the good with the bad on those. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think those are good comments if, uh, if that's – where they're at right now. Awesome. Absolutely. And the last uh, uh, topic that I saw from reporters this offseason about Carson uh, was just that somebody from the Indianapolis area felt that a lot of the hate was totally irrational and corny. Uh, that was from Kevin Kincaid out there regarding Carson Wentz. It seems to be kind of a popular thing for reporters and television personalities to really jump on the Carson Wentz narratives that are coming out of the, you know, the, the Indianapolis, which are being spearheaded by the owner um, and things like that. And, um, you know, some of them are using it to downgrade us and our, our potential this season. But um, uh, Eric, do you agree that a lot of the, the hate that Carson's getting is irrational and, and just not warranted? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, like in any profession, there's going to be a lot of group think in the media and it's a popular topic that he has been, you know, and it, it's kind of funny because if you you think about it, man, he you, you would think he really just stunk it up last year uh, for the Colts. Like people just talk about him like he threw like 25 interceptions and 10 touchdowns, not the opposite. You know, he threw 27 touchdowns, seven picks. Uh, you know, I'll take that. Now, of course, you know, we used to have Kirk Cousins at our quarterback, so we understand that stats aren't everything, right? Like there's definitely probably something to what these guys are saying, that he doesn't always come through in, in the biggest moments, that sort of thing. But, I mean, I think the, the hate – is really bad and, and i think you you nailed it where a lot of it's coming it's being spearheaded by the indie front office i mean jim ursay just you know the whole i don't know if it was the covid vaccine thing or whatever just didn't you know rubbed him the wrong way and he was just done with once and he wanted to have gone and now chris ballard and uh frank reich are just being good soldiers they gotta you know tow the company line unfortunately so they're not going to dispute any of the negative stuff i don't think it was as bad as i said and, and some you know team leaders from the colts did step up and and you know you know have some supportive comments about Wentz. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think, you know, it's definitely going to take him playing well to turn that narrative around, but I do think it's a little bit of an unfair narrative at this point. Yeah, I agree. You. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Eric, Eric nailed it uh, all the way through on that. It is, 
you know, uh, is there criticism for Carson? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, most of the media, when there is something negative, uh, they all tend to kind of jump on it because it is a simple, easy uh, kind of storyline. I mean, we see that here, right? Uh, you know, something happens and then everybody is reporting a, a similar story and uh, they continue to do it months, weeks, uh, sometimes even years later, right? Um, you know, we have the same storyline here that nobody would want to re-sign here, but uh, we've gotten guys to re-sign here. So um, certainly there is uh, criticism for Carson, but uh, yeah, it, it's just been way over the top. And then, of course, when he got traded here, that uh, that criticism, you know, went to the next level with just kind of the overall perception of the commanders of Washington uh, added into it. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, a little unfair because, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like he was playing awful. I mean, uh, you know, Eric said it, 27 and 7, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I think uh, we would take that uh, versus a lot of the quarterback play we would, uh, we've had here in the last several years. So um, a, little, a little too much, a little over the top, and uh, I think all that criticism should uh, should at least be on hold until we see him play. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think it's fair because it generates conversation. And I think, you know, what makes sports great is the conversation around sports. Um, so now, is it fair to Carson? I think a little bit, it's a little overblown. I, I, I just think that we are in a lazy media narrative environment. You know what I'm saying? Where some folks will just take what one show is saying and just continue going with it and adding their own little spice to it or, you know, not really doing their own homework or research. And that's not to say that Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback. He's not. Um, but, you know, it, 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 a lot of this is just out of control and a little bit out of pocket. And they're acting like Carson Wentz is like the 50th best quarterback. You know, there's 10 backups you'd rather have and all this nonsense or we're only going to win three games. But it's like, and I, I don't like a lot of the, when people say this, like, oh, well, we won this many games with the harder schedule and all this stuff. Because you never know. Like, this year's schedule could be tougher because, uh, you know, teams are different now than they were last year. But the fact remains, you know, this team won seven games with Taylor Heineke last year. You know what I'm saying? So to think that we're going to be a three or four win team because we have Carson Wentz is nonsense to me. It's just absolute nonsense. And that's the kind of stuff I say is just out of pocket. It's just you know, hating because it's the thing to do right now. It's popular. It's generating clicks and views and stuff like that. I don't, I never mind honest opinions about, you know, players or, or you know, anything, but just to say stuff, just to have stuff to say is when I start to get a little annoyed by that. Um, mobility with Carson Wentz. I, I find this very interesting. Carson Wentz's 40 time was a 4.740. I think it was a 4.77 to be exact, which is a little bit more, um, agile than I think I was thinking about Carson Wentz. Uh, Eric, do you see us taking advantage of Carson Wentz's mobility this year at all? Or do you think the injuries and things like that will probably have us limiting uh, how much we put him at risk in that situation? Like, I don't think we'll do many design runs with Carson Wentz. He's definitely not Josh Allen, especially at this point in his career. Um, I think that, you know, he's still got a little bit of that escapability. Um, he can, you know, scramble if he needs to, but I don't think it's going to be a focal point for him, nor should it be. Um, he's a goofy looking runner, even when he was when he, when he was 100 percent healthy. He was never like the most agile, nimble guy. He just happened to be fast, straight ahead. Good for him. Um, so, you know, he can 
you know, that's a, it's just an, an extra, you know, uh, what a wrinkle to his game, a little extra something that defenses may have to think about or they may forget about until he burns them for like a 25 yard scramble because there's, you know, everybody's in man coverage downfield. So I think it'll be used. I don't think it'll be a focal point, though. Okay. Brian, you say the same? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think with the past two years, what we've seen of Scott Turner's offense, he is not necessarily looking to have, um, you know, a read option or design runs from the quarterback. If the quarterback runs, it's because the quarterback, you know, didn't have any options and he had to run. Uh, but you're not going to see any of that, you know, looks like, you know, from Scott Turner, he likes a traditional drop back passing game. Uh, but Carson is uh, absolutely mobile and he's big and he's tough to bring down, which also helps, uh, you know, buy him some time because guys can't necessarily get a good uh, beat on him to uh, to bring him to the ground. So um, he will absolutely be able to buy time. Um, is he going to, you know, scramble, you know, for 20, 30 yards on a regular basis? No, I don't think so. I think uh, his mobility right now is better served to kind of keep the play alive so he can look downfield to make a play. Um, but yeah, don't expect Scott Turner to be calling, you know, quarterback draws, quarterback powers, any, any of these, uh, uh, designed runs. That's, that's not going to happen. If Carson runs, it's because he had no other choice and he, uh, he had to run. Yeah. There's different kinds of mobility when it comes to quarterbacks too. It's not just, you know, there's like Lamar Jackson mobility, Josh Allen mobility. And then you've got like the, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger type of like escapability where he's just, he can yep. move around in the pocket and keep the play alive. And I think that's what more what Carson has than, you know, the, the, you know, the design run, the read option type play. Yeah. So, I mean, think about it, Eric, you, you nailed it right there with that. I mean, Heineke's actually fast. He has straight line speed. Like how many times do we see him run around the, uh, the outside and run for that uh, or die for that pylon uh, at the end zone? He has legitimate speed and we, we never really saw a, um, um, you know, a, a read option or any type of design run uh, with Heineke. I mean, it was it was very rare, if at all, uh, we saw something like that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be uh, up to Carson on how much he uh, he runs or he doesn't run. Yeah, Heineke's definitely a scrambler. That's a that's a third kind of mobility. There's a, the runners and the scramblers and the and the and the movers. I think Carson's a mover. Okay. Yeah, you know. Carson and uh, Heineke are very similar 40 times, by the way, Brian. So uh, <laughs> now I, I think Heineke's probably the better athlete of the two. I'm joking, but they do have similar 40 times. I went back and I was looking at uh, Haskins, rest in peace, his usage in the run game uh, in Scott Turner's first year, to, because I think he's more similar to that than what you would see from a Heineke. Heineke was generally more productive when he scrambled um, and thus, I think that was a major part of what he did because he could, he had to, to be successful. But I was going back and looking to see if they really used Haskins in the run game at all. And they didn't, <laughs> you know, he had scrambles, you know, uh, or seven rushes in one game and things like that, but that's cause he got flushed out of the pocket. But yeah, he was not a factor in the run game under Scott Turner at the end of 2019, uh, with that coaching staff. Yes. He had some read options. He had a couple carries, but under this regime, I, I it wasn't there. Um, I, I, pro I don't anticipate it being there either. I mean, I, there's just too much at risk to have that happen. I think you, Carson Wentz is a quarterback who knows how to play from the pocket, so you're going to rely on him to do that and create opportunities, not to mention all the weapons that you have. Ideally, you're going to use those uh, like short passes as part of the run game too, so there really won't be a need uh, for that. Okay. Just hand it off to uh, Brian Robinson. 
<laughs> get your yard and get out of there. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So let's finish it up this way. Um, Baker Mayfield got traded and this became a big thing on Twitter. Uh, you know, this was a hot topic all over social media, at least commander social media. I saw numerous tweets about it. Um, you know, one of our listeners and a uh, good guy, David Reedman posted about this and it just set the road on fire. Uh, I saw uh, Ivan Lambert Jr. post uh, created an article about this. And it's a comparison of the value of the two trades between Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield. And I, and, and Brian, I think you brought this up in our, in our podcast chat group, but uh, Eric, let's start with you Um, in terms of the, the Baker Mayfield trade and the Carson Wentz trade, which to you was the better value and do you have any regrets about what the commanders did as opposed to some of other alternatives, specifically Baker? Um, yeah, obviously Baker Mayfield is, at this point is the better value, but you can't look at it that way because when Washington traded for Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield wasn't going to be available yet. We didn't, you know, the, the whole Deshaun Watson thing hadn't unfolded. As far as we knew, Baker Mayfield wasn't going to be on the market. That's one thing. Another thing is had, you know, had they waited an extra week or two to find out that Baker Mayfield was going to come available. If you trade for Baker Mayfield in March, you're going to give up more than you do if you're going to trade for him in July when everybody else has it. Uh, everybody basically has their quarterback at this point. So the value, obviously, yes, I'd rather give a fifth than two thirds, of course. Who wouldn't want to do that? Um, but I think, you know, looking at it, you know, all things considered, I, I don't have a problem with the way Washington handled it. I might have waited a little longer because, again, I wasn't a big fan of Wentz and I wasn't a big fan of the trade initially. Um, I might have waited it out to see if, you know, you know, some, what shook out with the free agency and what shook out with some, with some of the Deshaun Watson situation. So I think maybe uh, we jumped the gun just a little bit. But, you know, all things considered, I don't think the Wentz deal was a bad deal. And if he if he works out, it was a great deal. Yeah. Brian, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I, I think the um, the kind of, uh, you know, going back and looking after the fact of uh, saying, well, Baker got, uh, you know, traded for, you know, a fifth round pick or they're eating half of uh, his salary. The Browns are, you know, we we made a mistake. But uh, Eric's right. You, you have to look at the context now. Um, Baker's getting traded, you know, what, one, two weeks before um, training camp. Uh, and as a you know a team like ours whose offense has been struggling, we can't we, we didn't really have that luxury of waiting that long to find uh, a starting quarterback. Um, uh, we have a young offense and we needed somebody to come in here be the definitive uh, quarterback leader of this offense. And that way the fan base could get behind them and we could actually get some of these other deals done. Right. Like the whole Terry contract, like we had to get that done first. Like, I don't think uh, Terry would, uh, you know, have uh, have signed if, you know, we still have this kind of question mark hanging open at quarterback. Right. Is it Heineke? Is it, uh, you know, who else? Uh, is it how like you, you just don't know. So. Um, I, you know, I think the only area where, you know, Ron kind of, um, you know, didn't kind of succeed in was Ron the negotiator, right, uh, for the trade. I think uh, he uh, he got a little anxious in the negotiations. I think, it, you know, if he had realized he was probably only negotiating against himself or negotiating against the fact that uh, the Colts were probably going to release him. 
um, you know, just to, to free agency, then, um, you know, maybe he could have uh, offered up a little bit less. But outside of that, I think they went the right direction, which was find a guy early, get him in-house, get him acclimated to your system, your players, and, uh, you know, start building something as to kind of playing this game waiting so long. So uh, I, I'm I'm fine with what they did. And to, to go back and say, hey, um, you know, this guy was a little bit less. Okay, he's a little bit less, but, uh, uh, you know, is what he's going to give you in terms of actual clay on the field worth more? I don't think it is. I think, um, you know, what you're going to get out of Baker and, and Carson are probably very similar. Uh, in terms of results, uh, stats, wins, all those different things uh, like that. So you may have paid a little bit less, but uh, I think for us in our circumstance, we made the right call. Yeah, I, I think it was the right call for a number of reasons. Number one, it happened before the draft. And if you didn't get this quarterback situation taken care of, they were probably going to have to reach in the draft for a quarterback because they weren't sure what was going to go on um early in the draft and i did not i repeat i did not want them to do that i did not want us to end up with um kenny pickett or matt corral who's essentially just been replaced twice um <laughs> with sam donald and and now baker i didn't want them to uh reach for anybody i was i was on the malik willis train i will say that but it didn't seem like they were going to go that direction right nor did a lot of other teams as a matter of fact since he went in, what the third round or something like that um, so I, I like the fact that it didn't force their hand in the draft, and then they were able to go out and get a Dotson, who everybody thinks looks great so far. But if you get if you don't have Lynch, you're probably not getting Dotson in the process. Um, nor are you probably getting a receiver either. So um, I think that would have changed the, the focus of the draft, and I and I like that it did not. Um, number two, you know, Baker Mayfield for me is one of those guys that's an underdog. We as a fan base tend to fall in love with underdogs regardless of their production, regardless of their positive impact or lack thereof on the team. I don't want to go through that again. I want us to be in the business of figuring out if we have a franchise quarterback or not. And if we don't, dump him, go get another one, figure it out with that one. If he doesn't work, dump him, get another one, and keep going. Forget about the feelings. I don't want the feelings part. I don't want the feel-good stories. I don't want the come from behind wins late in the season that makes you say, oh, maybe he is the guy. He just needs this, this. No, I'm done with that, right? Carson Wentz gives us the opportunity to definitively know at the end of this year if we got a guy or if we don't. And then we can take proactive action to address that in whatever direction that goes. Um, so I, I love that aspect of Carson Wentz because people don't love Carson Wentz. They like him which allows people to remain objective about his performance this year on the field, which I cannot state or overstate. That is so important, especially as a fan, to really understand how we feel about this guy at the end of the year. Um, number three, this is a coaching staff who um, has really struggled to address the quarterback position since they got here. Now they got a guy that they wanted. If they wanted Carson Wentz over Baker, May Baker Mayfield, I'm glad they got him period, because they made the bed, they got to sleep in it, right? They got to lie in it. So um, if this is a guy they want to ride with, they should have the right and they have every right to get the guy that they want, period. And if this is who it is, let's roll. If they if they wanted Baker Mayfield, but they settled for Carson Wentz, it's a different conversation. We'll never know that. As far as we know, this is the guy that they wanted. And as a matter of fact, this is the guy that they want to be our quarterback for the next few years. 
And so that tells me they really do want this guy. So I'm cool with that. Now, the value conversation is a completely different conversation on a mathematical level. Yes, Baker Mayfield was the better value. But is he the better fit situationally for us? I don't think so. Uh, I do think Carson Wentz is the better fit, especially with Scott Turner's offense and what he likes to do, or at least what we think he likes to do. Uh, it seems like Carson Wentz gives him the better opportunity to stretch the field. Um, and, and Carson Wentz is a, a better distributor, especially to where our key positions are than I think Baker Mayfield uh, has been historically. I, I didn't look up any stats to back that up, but that's just my eye test. I think Carson Wentz does that a little bit better than what um, they've gotten out of Baker Mayfield historically. And lastly, Carson Wentz's peak far, far exceeds the peak that we've seen from Baker Mayfield thus far. The interesting aspect of both of those is both of those guys were at their best in their rookie season, right? Uh, so it's going to be interesting, you know, from here on out, because I, I do think there'll be a little bit of the rumblings of this throughout the season if Carson Wentz gets off to a slow start. Uh, but hopefully he doesn't, and hopefully this goes to bed. I understand those that say, hey, Baker was a better value. I, I do understand that argument. I just think there's more context to it um, that's needed so that you understand that this franchise really did want this guy. So, One thing I, right. I, I don't hear people talking about with, the, with Baker and with Wentz is Baker's coming from a run-centric offense where he had, you know, I think what, either the number one or number two rushing offense in the league, an excellent offensive line. If he were to come here, he's going to be asked to be the offense, right? Our our uh, team, our offense isn't a run first. I know they were at times we were during that four-game win streak, but overall the past two years, if anything has shown us, we're going to be a pass-first team. Uh, that's something Carson Wentz is used to and is able to handle. Um, you would be asking Baker to come here and be, you know, 35, 40 times a game throwing the football. So it would be a little bit different for him um, coming from uh, Cleveland uh, here to Washington. So I think that to me, that's that would be a little concerning because you'd be asking him to do something that he hasn't yet done uh, necessarily in the NFL. So um, I think uh, I think a lot of people should consider that. And I think um, if we if we look at kind of fit. I mean, I think we've got a guy who fits more our style of play um, versus kind of what Baker would be. Yeah, and you've seen you've seen Baker with weapons that Carson Wentz really hasn't had. He'd also, I mean, ba you know, Baker Mayfield had a running game. He had two wide receivers in Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. He had tight ends. Like he had guys that that he could distribute the ball to, and you know, Wentz has had Zach Ertz, and he's never really had you know, and, and Dallas Goddard, um, but he's never really had great weapons at wide receiver. So this will be this will be a new experience for Wentz, um, whereas we've seen kind of what Baker Mayfield has done with weapons, and it hasn't always been great. Yeah, yeah and, and Baker and the OBJ relationship was a strange one to me yeah. because Baker was far worse as a quarterback when OBJ played in the game. And that tells me that there's a little bit of mental fragility there where the the dominant personality of OBJ impacted Baker's ability to play and the confidence he had in himself because he felt like he had to force the ball to OBJ because OBJ was on the field saying, hey, I'm open. You want your quarterback to be a leader through and through that says, OBJ, I don't care how many nice catches you got. Shut up. I'm in charge. This is what we're going to do. I'm throwing it to the open guy. But for whatever reason, that relationship didn't really click. Now, none of our receivers seem to be that kind of guy 
but I just I, I want more mental toughness out of OB or excuse me out of um, uh, Carson than than what we got or what we saw from Baker in Cleveland. Now you know let's talk about Carson. Carson did have some moments oh, like uh, when they drafted our guy Hurts uh, uh, that it seemed like impacted your him guy a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> my guy. Not my guy. Yeah. And, of course, he was dealing with the injury, too. So he has to prove some of the mental toughness things himself as well. But I, I think I'd take uh, Carson over Baker most days um, if we're excluding value. Uh, and I'm not in the value uh, part or department for the commander. So I could just say, hey, I'll take Carson, you know. So um, but it's an interesting topic. It, it really is. And it certainly weren't some discussion. So I understand that. Um, all right, Brian, final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts, uh, I want to hear Eric uh, tell us about when he heard that McLaurin got extended for $71 million. Your favorite player, Eric, how would you feel? I, I sat up in bed when I shouldn't have, and I got a head rush because I was laying <laughs> in bed with COVID. <laughs> and I said, Terry got his extension. And oh, crap, I feel like crap again. Uh, no, I'm excited. I'm very happy. Uh, you know, relieved. Just don't have to deal with it anymore. I, I kind of assumed it was going to get done. And I was like I said before, I was at a one as far as like anxiety level over it because I just, you know, nothing surprises me with this team. But it's good to have him back. Glad he's here. Got a nice extension. Got a payday. Uh, the team isn't cash strapped because of it. I think it's a good deal all the way around. Did you see any of his uh, press conference uh, to, or no, yesterday? Uh, I heard the clips. Uh, it just solidifies the fact that he's a stand-up dude. Uh, he's a great teammate. He's not a diva wide receiver. Um, but he is an alpha on the football field, and that's what—that's where it matters. Absolutely. All right, my final thoughts are this. Do not, and I repeat, do not get your hopes up because Dan Snyder is going to testify or potentially <laughs> testify with the House Oversight Committee. It, it won't result in what you think it's going to result in unless by some miracle, um, you know, there's an admission of something that he can't walk back. But you know how it goes. The NFL protects the NFL like nobody's business. So I'm just going to take it in stride, like Brian said earlier, and we'll just see what happens. But I'm going to I'm going to keep my focus on the football field. Uh, I'm excited, and we're getting ever closer to training camp because I believe our guys report on the 26th of July, which is just two weeks away, which is uh, which is really really cool. So we're getting close. All right, you made it this far, Brian. What do they need to do? Uh, you need to go to our audio platform, whichever, wherever you listen to uh, our podcast on audio, Apple, uh, Google, Spotify. Go ahead, go there, subscribe, like, follow. Uh, if you can leave us a five-star review, please do so. It only takes about a minute, uh, and it helps us grow. That way we can reach out to other Commanders fans. Uh, check out our website, wftdeclassified.com. We've got some awesome articles up there. We've got interviews. We've got interviews with NFL agents, college football coaches. We've got interviews with um, local radio legends on there. We've got interviews with sports technology CEOs on there. And then check out our YouTube page because we've got all of that stuff on the YouTube page as well, too. That way you can see Eric. You can see L.E. Uh, talking and like and subscribe on that platform as well. Um, we've got some other articles that are coming out here uh, in the next couple of days, some new videos as well, too. So stay tuned, everybody. Stay locked. And uh, listen, I hope everybody had a good, safe 4th of July. 
Um, and if you're listening to us in the car and you're on your way to work, have a great day. If you're on your way home from work, get there safely. And, uh, man, we appreciate all you guys. We cannot say this enough. When we, we do look at the stats and we look at we have a lot of uh, female listeners, male listeners, a lot of everything listeners uh, around the country, around the globe. We appreciate every single one of you. Even if we've never heard from you personally because you're not on social media, we appreciate you checking us out. You guys have a tremendous day, evening, night, morning, whenever you're catching this. And we will catch you next time. We are out of here.